Hello and uh, welcome back to the fifth episode of Hit Middle Halfway Up, the cricketing podcast consisting of two very average cricketers, Mr Alex Harper and myself, Jake Staples. Uh, on the podcast today, we've got, a, we've got a very special guest, our first guest, um, Mr Lewis, Lewis Sharp, who will be joining us later on. Um, um, but before we get into that, firstly, how are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm good, mate. It's an, another week. Um, you're you're underplaying yourself because uh, for the listeners who don't know, so all of them, Jake uh, played cricket for the first time um, on Sunday and got three for nine. Yeah, I, I was playing against Shiplake first team. They were quite bad, but yeah, still got to take them. Uh, three for nine. How old were they? Two, were they? Uh, they were seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, we were, we were playing kids. Okay, um, you're playing kids, and we, who did you get out? Is it uh, the top three? Or? Ooh, um, Arguably, they were their best players, but they were batting at eight, nine, and ten. So, okay, so you got tail end children out, but yeah, no, yeah. He, did, he did very well. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm good. Although, obviously, we're hearing the uh, news about the European Super League uh, dribbling through today, which isn't great. Um, you know, we won't we won't bore you with too much on that because you know we're not Gary Neville, but you know it just seems. Very stupid, if you ask me. You know, I'm. A, I don't know if you know, but I'm a Portsmouth fan. So my earliest memories were uh, drawing to that AC Milan side with Ronaldinho, Kaká, Maldini, and you know the euphoria of that. And for people to not be able to experience that now as fans because of the greed of a few, a few silly, silly people, is is such a shame. But but we're a cricketing podcast, so we won't. Won't delve too deep into that. No, no, we are we are a cricketing podcast, but yeah, I mean there are some good things about it because if this new league does happen, it means uh, Portsmouth might get into the championship, and Reading, if they can sneak into that sixth spot, will get to the Prem. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> might be some good to come out of it. But no, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's not the greatest thing. Um, but yeah, so yeah, on today's on today's podcast, as I've said, we've got Lewis Sharp coming on later. Um, and but first, obviously, the big cricket of the week, the second round of the county championship, some teams starting to uh, to pull away in 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 their divisions. Um, Gloucestershire and Hampshire being 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 two of them, uh, winning both of their opening games. Uh, you go down into into Group Three, it looks a bit more tight. There's uh, three teams all gunning for for those top two spots. Um, but yeah, it's starting to shape up into a, into a very nice sort of uh, start to start to the season so uh so without further ado we're going to introduce a new section because obviously we could go through every game but that's quite boring as we found last week there was a lot of draws and a lot of boring games <laughs> this week we are going to be doing alex's top picks so alex has uh gone through all of the fixtures picked out three that he think were the pick of the games so we can delve into it and find out who did well who did badly um and yeah, so Alex, take it away. Which is your? So we'll start off with your third best game of of the week of the weekend. Or okay, four so days. I, my my third uh, best game or least best is um, it's the one I haven't watched. I must confess, um, but it was the Essex uh, match where they who did they play? They played Durham, and. You know, Essex won by 44, so it sounds like a comfortable game, but 
just highlight the fact that in their first innings, they were 96 all out. Um, and then Durham got a lead of well over 150, and yet they recovered with a fantastic 330 and bowled Durham out to 123. So a very close, tight game. Um, again, didn't watch it. However, you know, sound very interesting. So I thought mm, that yeah. was probably one of the picks. Uh, my my second a, game. Just, just on that, I just want to say, uh, Simon Harmer, he picked up a, a tenter in, in the match. Um, that's very good. And uh, just for any England people out there sort of looking, um, Dan Lawrence, 32 in the in the 90 six all out and then uh 76 so a bit of form there hopefully can sort of carry that into uh into the into the next round and, and watch the next game well, well just when you're mentioning the england players you just reminded me about uh i was on sort of spinners watch this week and uh somerset jack leach um obviously i, I watched all of that not only did he uh fail to take a wicket he bowled a load of old tripe, it's sad to say. Uh, he couldn't find his length, couldn't really find his line. And as, as we'll discuss now, Bracey picked him off. And similarly, Don Best failed to pick, pick up a wicket. You know, you'd, you'd like to find some form uh, going into the summer. And one of them saying, yes, I am the number one spinner. But they might be calling you, Jake. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that Somerset Gloucester game. It, again, it looks like a comfortable win for Gloucestershire. They won by eight wickets, and yeah, it was. If if you sort of tuned in the start of day three, it was probably going to be a draw. However, Somerset sort of capitulated in 149 all out. Phenomenal century uh, by Bracey in the first innings, and then another 83 in second for Gloucestershire. And the only reason that I talk about this game, other than the fact that Gloucester are glorious, is that... Um, that was Somerset's first loss at Taunton since 2017 when they played Yorkshire. And it's the first time Gloucestershire won at Somerset in the county championship since 1993. So phenomenal results for the Gloucestershire. And like you said, it's very tight at the top of Group 2 at the moment. I think Gloucester are going to Hampshire next uh, to the Rose Bowl. So that will be an enthralling match to watch. Yeah, and I think that's what um, this new format is bringing back into um, into the county champs is the local derbies. Uh, like you say, Gloucester and Gloucestershire and Somerset very very close together uh, geographically, so it sort of enables more competition and more like big rivalries, like you say, because that is quite a, a big sort of um, sort of a West West Country derby, uh, as it as it is known as. There are many, many things it's known as. One from the West Coast, the other's the Tractor Derby, and some, my mother calls it the Inbred Derby, which is <laughs> ironic, um, considering she's from the Isle of Wight. But we'll gloss over that and move swiftly on to the final game. Um, and if if you um, follow us on Instagram, please do. Um, it is quality. Just hit middle halfway up. Uh, we You saw us um, post about Mohammed Abbas, who got a six for, he got six for 11 against uh, Middlesex, including a hat-trick. I think Middlesex were 14 for five at one point or something. But yeah, seven, 79 all out. Hampshire won by 249. But that um, that duo of Mohamed Abbas and Carl Abbott in second innings, you know, class, class bowlers. And you'd love to see them in the county game. 
it's, it, was, it was very good. I watched the uh, I watched the whole spell on a on Instagram. County Championship posted about it, and it was a uh, he's just a bowler, a Pakistani bowler who just uh, love. He just literally is the bowler to have in English conditions. He can swing it, he can seam it, and it it was just uh, it was a very good thing. Interestingly enough, uh, my, my my brother picked this out. Um, James Vince didn't didn't do very well. Uh, mm. um, he got a he got a naught and a nine. Um, so sort of maybe Leicestershire bowling scoring two hundred again wasn't as great, but you know hopefully sort of he he bounced back and scores a double turn against Gloucestershire uh, next next week. But yeah, uh, truly great games, a ton for Sam Northeast in uh, that second innings um, and their opener Holland as well scoring a 1-4-6 not out very, very good innings considering you know you, you've just scored 319 bowled an opposition out for 79 on out you want to keep on adding the pressure so scoring 290 very quickly to uh, to win the game by 249 runs is a uh, superb batting and showing their class yeah yeah and um... It was interesting you mentioned Vince because I was actually going to pop up and uh, or pull out Nick, uh, Ollie Pope. There's 245 against Leicester. And, you know, you obviously he's a class player. And I didn't realise he actually averages 71 for Surrey, which is fantastic. But yeah, it just there is probably a big gulf between Leicestershire and the others in that group. It'd be very interesting to see. I think they've got Somerset next. And Somerset have class batsmen like of um, James Hildreth, Tom Abel, Tom Banton. So that would be, you know, you'd like to think Leicestershire can get into gear with their bowling, but you know, it's not fantastic. Um, no, and, and, and Leicestershire of, did do well with uh, Hassan Azad scoring. Uh, I think he got mm-hmm. a ton, and their other yeah. and their other opener as well. Um, forgot his name, but he also did score a ton. So it also bodes the question: Was the Surrey pitch an absolute road? Yeah. The answer yeah. is. Probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah, so I was just going to mention one more name. Uh, it's been linked with uh, England quite a bit, and that's Mr. Ollie Robinson, who got a career best uh, career best figures of 9 for 78. Yeah, it's a superb effort. Um, I don't know where that is on in the record books. I haven't looked into it, and I don't really care. But, you know, it's probably high up there. So, uh, I, he's playing for Sussex against Glamorgan. It was a uh, Sussex one in the end, but yeah, it was a phenomenal. Was he? Yeah. Was he playing for? Who did he play for? Sussex. Yeah, he does play for Sussex. Yeah. Mm. And he got fourth in the first innings. Sorry, I couldn't find him. But yeah, he's 13 wickets in the match. It was absolute class. And, you know, if he keeps that up, he's going to be knocking on the door for the third seamer spot for England. Yeah, and um, there was some. I was watching some videos of him, of his bowling action, and uh, there's a few comparisons to um, to Josh Hazelwood, um, and the sort of it's quite similar actions in the way that they bowl. Um, obviously, a lot of bowlers have a braced front leg, um, whereas he he was sort of a bit more over on the front leg, a bit like Jason Holder, a bit quicker than him. So it was more like Hazelwood, yeah. but yeah, some terrific bowling um, for him to to pick up those uh, pick up those nine wickets, and I reckon he's. Um, I reckon you can say after two games of the county championship that he's probably going to come away with the best bowling figures uh, in the competition. Yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. anyone's really going to get close to 9 for 78 unless no, yeah. they pull out an absolute wonder. 
like Mohammed Abbas next 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 game just against Gloucester pulls out a tenth or something like that. I think I think he's got that one. He's got that one pretty solid. Um, but all in all, it was it was a lot of good games over over the uh, over the um through Thursday through to Sunday. And again, if you if you want to watch them, uh, just download the ECB app on your phone, and you can you can get all of the different games if you want to watch your favourite players play, or if you just want to watch different games through the through the through the four days they're they're all on there yeah i just to add to that um you know it's quite um that gloucester somerset derby they had um forty one thousand sort of on the first day watching which for a county championship is a phenomenal effort so shout out to everyone who's watching it and if you like like jake said if you do want to watch it you know even on the background it's a fantastic way to you know, watch some high quality cricket. Well, and, and get out of doing any any university work if you are a student. <laughs> sort of thing. Well, cricket's on. I can't really watch dissertation. <laughs> it's it's always a good thing. Um, so coming on next on, on the pod, um, we are going to be speaking to Lewis Sharp, um, who is a former. I, I think I've played a couple of games with him through Wakefield, but he's a, he's a former Eversley cricketer, former Wakefield cricketer. Now at Finch Hampstead, has played a few games um, for Berkshire, um, and and yeah, we will be welcoming him onto the podcast next. So uh, moving on now, we are joined by Lewis Sharp, aka Sharpie, uh, former Wokingham CC and obviously Big Quick, uh, now at Finch Hampstead Cricket Club. Uh, he started playing cricket in 2008, I believe, as that's when his play cricket stats start. Uh, he's bowled over a thousand overs, taking 250 wickets, an average of 22, with some comparisons to James Anderson. Uh, he's never got a fifer in his best bowl, who figures four for six in an under 17 game. Um, however, tragically for him, his batting average is below mine uh, at 12, and mine's at 14. Uh, so that, that's not a great start to your to your cricketing sort of ability, is it, Sharpie? I didn't realise that. I did not know that. But yeah, I need, I need some work, I guess. Yeah, I was I was looking at your play cricket and I was scrolling through and I was trying to find something funny. And obviously, you have taken more wickets than me, uh, but your batting average is two two runs below me. Um, so that is that's quite bad. Yeah, I'll try and I'll try and work on that this season, mate, and get get those extra two runs above you. <laughs> well, no. So um, you didn't play this weekend, did you? You played. You played pre-season. Yeah. So we had our first game on the tenth. Um. So what? Nine days ago now, and then we didn't play this weekend. We just had a training session. So it was um quite an experience, to be honest. Playing in like, well, the build-up to the game, my my only bowl on grass was in the snow, and then turned up, and it was four degrees opening the bowling in the dark depths of Surrey. So yeah, it was quite an experience. Not the not the nicest start to the season, but the only way is up. No, no. You know, what is it? Finch Hampstead first team, uh, home yeah. counties. Yeah, so playing in the Prem this year, um, I think it will be a challenging year. I think we've lost like a few guys um, to various clubs um, for various reasons as well. Some guys want to kind of go for more financial reasons, shall we say. Others are going for kind of more personal cricketing reasons but yeah I think we've recruited a lot of like really good guys who are going to be around all year and have kind of established themselves in maybe like the league below or two leagues below so it's going to be a challenge got a lot of youngsters but it's it's an exciting thing to be a part of really this year especially as like one of the more senior players I guess. 
Yeah, yeah, because obviously I've, I've played under you a few times. Uh, shelling a catch at point when we needed wicket, one wicket to win was probably my highlight. Um, and obviously no Alex, probably, Alex probably remembers all my gun fielding performances uh, playing for Bearwood first team. But yeah, when I was standing oh, it was point, awful. <laughs> he was awful. Standing... He, went, he tried to go wicket keeper once, and I think yeah, he he dropped two, two or three. Yeah, there was, was a few. There was a few bars. Sound like um, staples. But to be fair, Sharpie, you, you did you did share one off um, Charlie about two overs later, so I didn't feel as bad. That was just to get the last wicket, the over <laughs> after. So it was it was all part of the bigger plan. No, so obviously you've you've played cricket in Australia as well. Uh, you went over there for a year. So um, sort of like who who did you play for out there, and sort of how did that how did that all come about? Um, so. I suppose, like, starting from the beginning, I, I wanted to do a season out there. So it was 2018. So September 2018, I went out there until April 2019 and had, like, a full Australian summer out there. Um, it's something I've wanted to do since I was really young. Like, my dad did it when he was sort of 19, 20, and it's something I've always wanted to do. Um, so I was looking for a club, and I had a few offers from sort of clubs out um, in, like, the bush in Victoria, just kind of in the middle of nowhere which I didn't really feel was right. I wanted to go to a club where I could progress my cricket, but also have quite a good social environment. And it just wasn't really looking likely. And then um, Claps, Anthony Clapham basically played for this club quite a few years ago now, probably 10 years ago now. Um, so he got me in contact with them and then basically managed to go from there. So I was based in Geelong, which is about 45 minutes south of Melbourne. Um, so it wasn't Premier Cricket, but essentially it was the one below that and we were in the top division. So it was a really good standard of cricket and it taught me a lot, really. Um, like just living by myself for seven, eight months, other side of the world, but also from a kind of cricket environment, uh, cricket point of view as well. So it's very different out there. Obviously, you've got half the games of 50 over cricket and half the games of two day cricket. So spending 80 overs in the field when it's 35 degrees is, yeah, not pleasant. No, it's, um, so it's, it's sort of, I, I, I wanted to sort of do it once I finish university and get out either to Australia or New Zealand or something like that. Sort of, um, do you want to sort of just talk about maybe the, like, the key differences that you, you sort of felt as a bowler and a batsman out there um, of playing in Australia to sort of playing in England? I think as a bowler, like the, the kind of plans that you set and how you're trying to bowl at the batters is slightly different. I think generally speaking over here, you're looking to go quite full, shape the ball, well, me anyway, as a seamer, shape the ball away from the bat or into the batter um, and get them driving. Whereas out there, because of the because of kind of the pitches, obviously are renowned to be very hard, which they are, which I didn't quite realise how flat they were going to be until I got out there. Um, but yeah, I, ju- I suppose just like your lengths change a little bit. Um, obviously in the ATO over cricket is a very, very different style because you kind of really, you've got the chance to actually build a spell and you can bowl well, kind of 20 overs in a day, really, as seem as is probably as much as you're going to get through, really, in the heat. But, um, yeah, I'd say that's probably the main aspect from a bowling point of view is kind of just the plans that you're setting really are going to change slightly. Um, from a batting perspective, you've got to be able to play the short ball, which, unfortunately, I can't. So I had a lot of a lot of ducking. I executed the duck very well. Um, so that, that was, yeah, that wasn't particularly pleasant, being sworn at and called a pommy whatever um, every... <laughs> pretty much every other ball to be fair um yeah they, i'd say the other the other major thing actually that shocked me quite a lot is kind of the run rate that they scored at and other than probably like first grade premier cricket which is like 
you've got Glenn Maxwell playing in that, Nick Madison, like some really good cricketers in the Victoria Prem. The run rate they score, it's a lot slower. So like over here, I think in 50 over cricket, if you're scoring under 200, 220, you're probably struggling. Whereas out there, if they sort of score 170, 180, they feel like they're in the game. Um, don't know why, because the pitch is flatter, but that's just kind of the mentality they had, really. So that was that was a bit different, which I suppose favoured me as a bowler. Um, but slightly frustrating when you're trying to like defend a small target. Mm. Do you reckon that might just be because they've got a more like pronounced sort of fast bowling unit, so their, their bowlers are slightly better? Or do you think it was just sort of the mentality of, we're just going to go at a slower rate because we know we can just bowl them out. Potentially, I think. So, like, this is kind of going away from like more of the tactical technical side. Like, a lot of the grounds out there are basically AFL grounds, so Aussie Rules football grounds. So, like, the outfields are a lot longer. So, I'd say you get less value for your runs out there than you do over here. Like in the middle of summer, I know obviously when we're playing and it's cold and wet and whatever, your the grounds aren't as kind of free running, but. Generally speaking out there, I'd say, yeah, your, your value for runs is slightly less. I'd say the bowling units, generally, you've got one or two quick bowlers, which, like, the pace difference is massive. Like, their quick bowlers are bowling 85 upwards, whereas over here, I think if you're playing, like, even Premier League cricket, like, if you're bowling above 80 miles per hour, you're considered quick. Um, and then, generally speaking, most teams will have, like, one or two really good spinners who, like, the leggies have got four or five different deliveries, things like that. So, yeah, that's... Possibly another reason, yes. And um, sort of just lastly on sort of Australia, I know if I said it, it was sort of an aspiration for myself to go out maybe to Australia and New Zealand or something like that. But w would you sort of just recommend it if, if you, there's a young cricketer out there who's sort of dilly-dallying about whether or not to go, would you sort of just say, just do it? 100%. I think like it's one of those things, if you don't do it, you'll regret it. And I, as long as you can kind of, I think the big thing is making sure that like you're financially stable out there, which sounds like it's kind of going away from the cricket. That's more like a social and lifestyle kind of thing. But um, if you can get a job out there where you can save up enough, because it is really expensive out there. So you don't want to then, it can kind of, I had a period where I wasn't working, didn't really have any money and that kind of impacted my cricket because I just didn't want to, I couldn't really do anything, which didn't help. So I was kind of not enjoying it as much for about two or three weeks, but yeah, 100%. Like, it improves you as a cricketer, I think. You, I've still got mates out there that I speak to weekly. And that's like, well, I've been back for three years now, pretty much the day, actually. So, uh, two years, sorry. So, yeah, I, 100%, if you can do it, I would. No, it's, 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 it looks really cool. And obviously, you've been to the MCG and you, you've watched a few cricket games out there, I think, haven't you? Yeah, I'm actually on the... Uh, What's the Aussie documentary? The test, is it? Is it the test or yeah. what's the Yeah. I'm on that. So I it was a bizarre, bizarre experience. So we went for the Boxing Day test and basically my club had been going up and doing it as a club for like twenty years. Um so they I was basically a flag bearer for the first day of the Australia India test. So I stood there holding the flag in front of eight thousand people and the camera like pans around. There's me in between like Mitchell Stark and I think it was Finch just stood there not knowing any words to the national anthem and looking very, very awkward. So that's, oh, quite a, that's one to tell the grandkids anyway. <laughs> doesn't sound like you've been awkward, Charlie, not at all. <laughs> so I obviously say you've played, obviously, you've played cricket out there. Um, you've played sort of in the divisions growing up, playing obviously in that sort of going through the obviously ranks. You've played Division One, um, Thames Valley to home counties. What is like the big difference in sort of standard when you sort of look at a, a Division One in the Thames Valley League to sort of a home counties team and then sort of a bit further on to playing for Berkshire? 
big I think there's a few differences I'd say like the the talent you get talented cricketers in like TVL3 TVL2 one all the way up but I think the first thing is that teams actually in like the Prem home counties too you've got guys coming in at eight and nine with the bat who can score 50s quite easily like they are genuine all-rounders whereas I'd say TVL2 three and certainly below that kind of your tail starting a lot earlier or, or guys that are capable of scoring runs kind of stops earlier. That's the first difference. I think the other one is like, as a bowler, especially like the amount of bad balls you can get away with is a lot fewer, the higher level you play, which sounds like a really obvious statement to make. But if you watch guys playing in the Prem and obviously I've not made my full Berkshire debut and it's something I don't know whether that will happen, but having played a lot of twos cricket for Berkshire as well, um, you're kind of you've got a bowl like six out of six good balls really or at least execute a plan I think in TBL2 having played a little bit of that the last few years due to various reasons I think you can get away with sort of two or three bad balls and over really as long as you're there or thereabouts um, so that, that that would probably be the two massive difference I think you've got more batters the high level and you can bowl less bad balls in the high level that would be the two things that I really pick out of it I was just going to jump in there. Um, we were. I showed Jake a video uh, uh, yesterday about uh, with Chris Dent, the Gloucester captain, and he was doing a video on his like hand speed. And you know, I, I play a bit, but that his hand speed was just ridiculous. Is it sort of these sort of like small differences you have between the the leagues? Is it small things like, like if you're a bowler, maybe your pullback or wrist position, or is it larger technical issues? Do you reckon? I think, like, I don't think there's a massive technical... I don't. I think, like, obviously being a coach, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but I don't think, like, your technical ability prevents you from playing a high level. Like, I think that's the issue. I don't know if we'll go, in, we'll go into a bit more coaching later, but, like, I think if you look, look at some bowlers around the world that have played international cricket even, and, like, their actions and their batting stances and, and whatever, they're not like what you would coach, but they're obviously doing something right. So that might be as a batter just having good hand-eye coordination or good hand speed for T20 cricket. So I don't think it affects it too much at club level. Um, I'd say probably more tactical and mental, really. I think like batters actually have understand, like being able to bat and being able to score runs are two very different things. You can look great in the nets. Like how often do you see someone go in there and you're like, oh, he's a great batter. And then the averages. 10 or maybe even 12 for the season if he's <laughs> as good as me. Um, I, I, that's like I mean, me, uh, going to the nets, play some nice cover drives against some 14 bowlers and then get in a game and I'm like, I don't know what to do now. Exactly right, exactly right. That's what I always think. I always think I look so good in the nets and I pad up well and then I get out there and I can't get it off the square. So, yeah. Well, it's well, interesting I, I, you sort of um, say a lot about the hand speed. Sorry, Alex Carroll. Well, no, I was just going to say I bat hopelessly in the nets and I bat hopelessly in the middle. I, I think we mentioned the first one. I haven't hit it off the square since 2016. So I'm the Me best of both, both worlds. <laughs> no, and it, it's sort of, I, I, thought we, I think hand speed's a, a, a great sort of thing because I, I, I don't get how some of the batsmen can do what some of the things they do. But also it's like when I'm playing in a game and I look to take a single or something, it's like I, I don't think I can score the runs because I just can't really knock it into various different gaps and stuff like that. Um but yeah, it's a it's a it's a pretty cool thing to uh, to be able to do sort of to watch Chris Dent's hands just come flying for a ball. Um, so now, obviously, Sharpie, you've uh, you've moved to Finchampstead as you said earlier. 
um, from Wakenham. I sort of just want to ask you, on a personal sort of thing, what, what's your goals for this season, sort of as a person or as a bowler, but then also for, for the team and what sort of the team looking to get out this this uh, next year? Yeah, I think it's like I always try and I encourage everyone that I coach to try and set targets, like whether that's a run target, a wicket target, or just kind of like I've got a couple of lads that I work with who are slightly younger that want to score like their first adult 50, for example, like that's just having something to work towards. So historically, I always kind of set my target around 30 wickets for the season, which I think as a seam bowl, if you're getting 30 wickets, you're generally going to be probably one of the top three wicket takers in the league. Like obviously the Thames Valley and home county is very spin dominated. Um, so I'm not going for 30 this year with it being my first year in the Prem, but I think if I can get between 20, 25, I'd be pretty happy. Like we've got three or four decent spinners who I would imagine bowl most of the overs. And then it's just my turn to kind of open up and bowl at the death. Um, so yeah, from a kind of personal point of view, 2025 wickets, um, like off the field kind of help some of the younger players grow. Like as I say, we've got three or four lads that are under sort of 18, 19. So for them playing that level of cricket at that age is going to be really tough. And obviously I've not actually played Premier League cricket. I've played feeder league, so the one below that. So it's going to be a learning experience for me, but I just want to help those kids through it and try and ease the transition a little bit. And then from a team aspect, it's probably to get to just stay up, to be honest. It's a bit of a negative kind of mindset, but I think we're not under really any kind of false illusions where we're at as a team at the moment. It's definitely like a transitioning period. Um, we've lost, yeah, five or six guys that would all play in the first team. So just trying to stay up, really. I think we've kind of targeted a few games which we know we need to win. And if we don't, we could be struggling. So it's going to be different because coming from... Eversley and then Wokingham where historically I've been lucky enough to be involved in quite sort of successful teams where we've always finished sort of either top or top two or three this year it's going to be a lot more of kind of like a fight which I'm quite looking forward to um, I think when you're the underdogs as well it's always kind of nice because no one really expects anything from you do you see what I mean so if you do well then everyone's kind of like oh wow they're actually they've done something right whereas if you're expected to win and you don't it's kind of feels pretty awful really so do you reckon it's going to sort of help you as a cricketer obviously you said you, you've been in winning sides at Eversley and Wokingham obviously Wokingham for the past few years has been very successful and things do you reckon it will sort of help you to sort of have a different mentality and sort of be able to like you say be in a fight and sort of be able to get yourself um, to sort of a better sort of mental state for when seasons to come when you, you are sort of because you've been through this tough year or potentially a tough year I think obviously we've played together and like to put it politely, I play the game quite aggressively and quite hard. And that's just kind of how I get myself up for the game. Um, and I have a little bit of a reputation around like certain teams that don't particularly have the fondest memories of me, but there we go. So yeah, I think it'll probably make me a little bit more rounded as a cricketer. Like obviously I've been through quite a lot of personal kind of issues with cricket in the last few years like obviously being at Wokenham I've struggled to kind of secure a first team spot and played a lot of twos cricket which is not really where I've wanted to be hence the move um, so I've kind of gone through a lot of personal stuff but yeah I think as a team it's definitely going to make us it's very cringy but it's going to make us stronger I think as a as a kind of group and it's going to bring everyone together so I think it'll just make me and the team a little bit more rounded and together. Mm -hmm. 
And sort of now moving on to sort of your your coaching sort of roles, you, you've alluded to it before. You sort of want to help some of the young lads in in the Finch teams, and obviously you're you're a big part of the um of the Eversley training. Obviously, your head coach, club coach. I've seen that on the point cricket coaching. So obviously, point cricket coaching is your brand, co- coaching sort of brand. Let's just sort of tell the listeners sort of what, what you're doing, what is point cricket coaching all about, and sort of a little bit about it. So I, I kind of set it up. I went to uni for um, in 2015. I was there for a year and I got kind of three quarters of the way through my first year and didn't really see something, anything coming up my degree. So I decided to leave uni and I had a mate actually who I played with at Eversley at the time who was a coach, like just a general sports coach. So I was only sort of 18, 19 at the time. So I started working with him and just kind of like fell into the cricket side of things like playing cricket I did other sports but like cricket was kind of the path I wanted to go down and even at uni like my degree I wanted to do was trying to gear me up into like professional cricket which obviously I didn't pursue from a degree side or from a uni side of things um so yeah started it then and I'd say I've been I've not been the best at like promoting or publicizing my business I've always kind of just gone on word of mouth and like reputation in a local environment whereas I want to try and grow to be a bit bigger um ultimately my end goal within coaching isn't to have a big coaching business it's more like I want to coach in first class cricket that's my kind of end goal which I I've sort of said look it's probably going to take me 15 years but by that point I'm still late 30s which is pretty young really to be in a first class coaching environment um so yeah, that's kind of how it started, like where I'm, where I've gone through, and I do one-to-one sessions um, as much as I can. Obviously, with work, like working at a school, or a private school, and then with county and clubs and whatever, it does get quite tricky in the summers. But um, I've got Eversley and Finch now, so I'm head coach at Eversley for the juniors and seniors, um, and then Finch, I'm doing the head head coach of the ladies, which is going to be. A new experience because I've not really done a lot of ladies coaching so I'm quite looking forward to that um so yeah that's kind of where I'm at at the moment and then obviously the county stuff as well with Berkshire um I do the under 12s there so I was up at Merchant Taylor's yesterday and obviously no one's gonna be able to see this but I'm quite burnt as you can probably see on the uh, on the zoom call so um yeah that's that that's probably the most rewarding coaching I do I'd say like the under 12 stuff um because they're kind of they come to you as like junior cricketers and you can really you get a chance to kind of mold them talk to them you, they're only with you for a year but you can actually improve them a lot like there's there's kids that we've had come through sort of being maybe middle of the pack and then left us being one of the better cricketers in the age group we've had guys that have gone on to get signed at Middlesex like the year after so yeah it's kind of like a bit of bits and pieces really coaching I'd say um, I think you've got to be pretty successful as a business to just be able to coach in a business like a lot of coaches will do county have their own coaching maybe at a school as well so it's just a bit of a process for me at the moment really so yeah just trying to grow and just keep improving as a coach so obviously you, you touched on sort of your your dream of obviously coaching first class cricket and all of that sort of stuff but do you, do you have any sort of just goals for this year for point cricket coaching anything that you just want to achieve this year I think Probably not Probably not for the business, really. I know that might be a bit of a kind of negative outlook to have, but my probably the thing that takes up the most time for me is Eversley Cricket Club. Um, I'm always on the phone to like the captains and the director of cricket and whatever else. So just trying to 
I would take a lot of pride in if Eversley got promoted. That's kind of like my aim, really, because I feel like being head coach, we've done a lot of work through lockdown. Like I was spending probably 20, 25 hours a week on Zoom calls, phone calls with players, doing PDPs for them, things like that. So that's probably the big one. Um, maybe from a slightly more sort of vain aspect, maybe like growing my social media as well. I'm pretty useless on social media. So just trying to kind of get used to that and growing that presence a little bit more. I've spoken to a few guys about it, but it's it's one of those things I don't want to just be known for my social media. I want to be known for my coaching. So mm. you want to have sort of the social media sort of just enhancing the coaching as much as possible. Correct, yeah. Rather than having yeah. the social media enhancing sort of the coaching aspect. It's like, oh no, that's wrong. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, having the coaching being able to sort of post about that and people seeing that rather than sort of just the social media um but no i'd, I'd look forward to it. i'm excited for hopefully my discounted or free coaching session from from you we've been in talks haven't we we yeah, might get we've that been in talks. We, we might get it. i might finally get you down to uh, zero pounds uh <laughs> that's a favor but no it, it'll be good it'll be good get me working my batting so i can make sure that my uh, batting average does stay above yours uh, I don't think you're going to have too much to worry about, mate, on that front, so you should be okay. Just don't bat again and you'll be fine. I'll be batting. Well, I mean, if I play fourth team cricket this year, I'll probably be batting a bit up the order. If I can get myself into the third team, I'll be batting at 11, I won't be needed. Exactly. So, uh, just uh, sort of finishing off, um, if, if that's okay, I was, you meant, obviously, you've played at a you know, good level. I, who, who would you say is the best player you've probably played with and, and played against? This was probably the question when I sort of saw them. That really, I, was, I had a lot, long think about. I think, if you don't mind, I'm going to give a few honourable mentions as well. So I'd oh, say sorry, like... Make yourself out. <laughs> I think like, having played over here and Oz, I'd, I'd say I'll get on to it eventually. Like the best player I play with is from Australia um, and against actually, funnily enough. But I think over here, obviously at Wokingham, I've had... Um, Dan Housko, Michael Bates as a wicket keeper is arguably one of the best keepers that English cricket's seen in the last sort of 15, 20 years. Um, so they're both like amazing cricketers. Um, there's been guys that I played with who maybe weren't in their prime when I played with them. So like I obviously played with Aftab Habib, who obviously played test cricket, but at the point I was playing with him, he was 45 years old and obviously not the player he once was. So I didn't really get to see like him in his in his prime, if you like. So the best player I played with was probably a lad who opened the batting for my club in Australia. Um, so he played for South Australia for, I think he was there for two or three years. Um, he just, so his name's Joel Davis as well, I should get onto that. But um, he, I don't really know how to explain him really. He just, so very much like a white ball cricketer, like with the bat, just some of the shots he'd play and like the power he'd hit the ball with, like, Guy's bowling 90 mile per hour bumpers at his head and he's just pulling them for six like with ease. Just phenomenal. And like speaking to him, he bowled sort of medium pace. Um, like again, I say medium pace, it's kind of mid 70s, so it's not slow. Um, I mean, that means that I'm a medium pacer if it's mid 70s as well. So, um, but yeah, no, he, he was just like a really, you could see that he's kind of played a high level of cricket. Um, yeah, just phenomenal batter. I think I can't remember how many runs he scored, but he scored just sort of like 80 off 30 balls and things like that, just with ease. So I'd say he's probably the best player I played with. And then against, um, 
again, like kind of maybe not in his prime, but we played against Andrew Hall a few years ago. He played South Africa. So he was like, again, I think he'd been out of the game for about three or four years professionally, but he scored 80 against us at Wokingham. Um, and just you, the thing is with all these guys like Housco, Andrew Hall, guys that have played first class cricket don't lose that technical ability. They just, you still watch them, you think, oh my God, you're so much better than me. But um, you just got to try and find a way of getting them out. So he was good. Um, the best one I've played against, I'd say, was again a lad in Australia who was actually another overseas in the league. So he's captain of Rygate over here, um, played at Worcester um, and Shropshire, I think. So his name's Richie Oliver. Um, he's a left handed batter. Again, just like phenomenal batsman to watch. Um, I think he, one of the games we played against him, we got him out cheaply first game and I had this massive build-up as to how good he'd be. And I thought, well, this guy's not really much. And then second game, he scored like 170 against us. So I was like, okay, he can play, he can play. But yeah, no, he was he was a like, ridiculous player and I'm lucky that I kind of made quite good mates with him out there. So I kind of speak to him a fair bit still. Um, so yeah, they're, they're probably, so Joel Davis is the best I played with and Rich Oliver is probably the best I played against. But there's quite a lot that I could go through. We'd be here for hours. Although I am a cricket badger, I have got things to do. <laughs> yeah, that, that's class. Joel Davis, he sounds, I think Jake will agree, he sounds exactly what I'm like. 80 or 30, um, or 30 or 80 is probably more likely. But um, Alex, don't lie, no, you've never got to 30 in your life. Yeah, that's true. I think I got my highest score in year nine, when I had an absolute stinker of a season, was... 13 I think I was that hopeless um, but yeah no you mentioned some great names there um, obviously after I worked with him a little bit at Berkshire he really helped me he was a great great coach and obviously international cricketer Housko I think he, he played for Gloucestershire at some point so obviously we love him um, and then yeah I've seen seen a bit of Bates' work and he's fantastic um, again I, I guess maybe his batting was slightly or he Probably didn't score enough at county championship level, but his keeping is incredible. Um, just, just one more, um, if you don't mind. The, uh, we were talk, we have big debates, Jake and I, about sort of who who are the next rising uh, future England cricketers. If if you were to sort of uh, throw a few names into the hat, who who would you suggest? I think um, I actually was thinking about this on the drive home from work today. I think James Bracey is probably one. Yeah. Um, okay, okay, Lewis, just yeah, look at this here. That. We were discussing this before you came on, and I said, if Lewis Sharp mentions James Bracey, Alex is literally going to lick your bum hole because he is so obsessed <laughs> with James Bracey. Um, I, think, I think, like, as well, if you look, I might be, it might just be fresh in my mind, obviously, with, like, the county championship games just finishing yesterday and whatever, but I think, Kind of what you alluded to there a little bit with Batesy is how cricket's going as a keeper. You've got to be able to bat. And like yeah. folks, even I, I rate folks massively. Like I think he should have played far more for England than he has, but he's always kind of played and batted seven. Whereas I think Bracey genuinely could come in and bat in the top five. Um, so I think he's one. Um, obviously, there's a lot of guys that come in like Pope and Lawrence, I think will be like kind of there for a long time now. I hope so. Anyway, I like both of them. Um, other than that, to be honest, Bracey was like the main one I kind of like came to my mind. I think there's a few older guys that I think again have been really unlucky. Like I'm a I'm a Hampshire fan. I'm a massive James Vince fan. I think he should 
be playing a lot more England cricket, probably across all three formats, to be fair. Like, there's this whole thing about him not playing T20 cricket, which I just can't understand because he goes to all the tournaments around the world and dominates. So, yeah, Bracey's probably the one for me, I'd say, if I, if I was to throw one in there. I know that's that's a good choice. I, I think I think Bracey probably will be. I mean, he's twenty six. Alex is he twenty six? No, he's younger than that, isn't he? Yeah. Like twenty two, twenty three. Oh, fair enough. Then yeah, yeah he's definitely one for the future because I think Butler's thirty odd, and Folks is old, like you say, he's about twenty nine. So, how sort of long Folks can sort of play international cricket for if Butler sort of comes away from it and focuses a bit more on white ball. You don't know what they're going to do, but yeah, Bracey, definitely a good pick for for the future. Alex is looking extremely smug. Um, so I, I just found I just found it interesting what you said about Vince, because uh, my, my dad's a huge Hampshire fan um, for some unknown reason. Um, and he always gets really frustrated with Vince because he, he says um, he always plays traditionally the best shot of the day or the best shot of the game, sometimes even series, but he never plays the best innings. What, what would you say, say about that? I think potentially his downfall is maybe like consistency. I think a lot of the guys that mm. I think to be called up for England, you've got to be consistent. And maybe like on the other hand, potentially where we've gone wrong with selection over the last few years is guys that aren't consistent have been playing. Um, yeah. So I, I agree with you. Yeah, I think like he is very sort of traditional in the shots he plays. Like he hits straight well, he hits in the V well, drives the ball well, things like that. So I think he's definitely got like the makeup of a good batsman. But yeah, I'd say potentially at times, not so much for Hampshire. He's definitely like without a doubt Hampshire's best batter in my opinion. I don't think he necessarily goes missing there, but potentially for like England, I can't personally remember any real innings maybe when we played Australia and over there a few years ago he, he had a couple of decent knocks yeah. I think he got 80 at one game maybe um but yeah I, I I probably agree with that statement to be fair I don't know whether it's like cause for him to not be picked but if there was a reason you could argue his lack of consistency would be one well Sharpie thank you very much for uh Thank you very much for coming on. It's been, uh, I have to say, superb in my opinion. I've yeah. thoroughly enjoyed sort of talking to you, picking your brains, seeing, because obviously I've been good mates with you, but I've never really asked you too much about Australia, sort of yeah. you, your brand and stuff like that. And it's it's really good stuff. And I, I do hope you, even though you do play for Finch now, I do wish you all the best in the season. Um, and uh, I, I hope you do take 30 plus wickets for, for your season and uh, Finch, Finch do well. But no, yeah. uh, thank you very much, guys, for all, all listening. Um, we will be back again with another one next week, um, potentially with another guest, uh, potentially another Wakening player, and we will leave that uh, just there. So thank you for listening. Uh, goodbye.